Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, where we combine the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thought. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring life purpose. Most of us have wondered at some point or another, what is the point? What is my life really about? Am I just a random spark with no real function other than to exist on this earth in this frail human body? For a short time, only to become ash? And then what? Do I cease to exist? Do I have any real purpose? Life purpose is a concept pondered by many. Some say we're here to learn lessons, that we suffer until we learn them, like some errant schoolchild. Others say we're an anchor in the mundane for the divine. Many believe we're simply cells in a much larger body, yet others believe we have no purpose that we live and then we die, end of story. So what is the truth of our existence? Why are we here? How do we compare with the animals on the planet? What is the point? 
With us this hour to delve into these mysteries is Tricia McCannon, author of The Angelic Origins of the Soul, Discovering Your Divine Purpose. Tricia is a renowned American clairvoyant, historian, and teacher who's traveled the world in search of answers to the greatest mysteries of the ages. As a mystical symbologist and researcher, she's an initiate of many ancient systems of knowledge and the author of 13 online books and 35 DVDs. Tricia is the founder of the Phoenix Fire Lodge Mystery School in Atlanta, a reverend in the International Assembly of Spiritual Healers, and a bishop in the Madonna Mysteries. Her website, TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. Tricia, thanks for joining us on The Science of Magic. Oh, Gwilda, thank you so much for having me, and um, you know, happy winter 2018 to everyone out there that's listening. What it's a, a wild winter. winter. It is a <laughs> wild winter, exactly. Yeah. So, Tricia, what, what's your educational background? Um, well, I grew up here in Atlanta. Uh, my, um, I had, I came out of the Judeo-Christian tradition. My dad was Baptist. My mom was Methodist, and we became Episcopalian about the time I was about ten years old. And I was confirmed in uh, the Episcopal Church when I was thirteen. But as you may know from reading my book, I'm a clairvoyant, and I've had the gift of sight and uh, hearing since I was a child. So I had these profound angelic beings that become began to come and teach me when I was about eight years old. And I think like a lot of people, I have asked um, these deep questions that you were posing earlier about who are we, where do we come from, where do we go, what happens when we die, how is the universe ordered, how is this connected to a higher power, and, and so forth. And, um, you know, I continued to ask these questions growing up. I, I went to Florida State University and graduated from there. And, um, you know, wound up coming back to Atlanta and opening my photography business, which I had for many years where I was shooting for Macy's and uh, Calvin Klein and Coca-Cola and AT&T. And that was my Clark Kent world for uh, over 25 years. But my, so so my, I'm, I'm to understand that you don't have any formal education in uh, religious history or anything like that. Well, you know, I seem to have been fascinated by the subject. Uh, and this is why I've written a book on the lost years of Jesus with 1,200 footnotes on uh, the rise of the divine feminine and how we've fallen out of balance uh, underneath the arm of the patriarchy with over 500 footnotes. Uh, the, the the book that I've just written, The Angelic Origins of the Soul, as you notice, has about 100 pages of appendixes and footnotes and back matter in the, in the back of that. And I so honor you, all the great traditions. So you, you do a lot of research in your writing. I am a very intensive researcher, and I believe in really honoring uh, the esoteric traditions and all the great world religions. The exoteric ones many times are very filled with dogma and misunderstanding and political and, you know, uh, power plays that have happened and misunderstandings through the centuries. But the esoteric arm of all these great traditions are very beautiful, and they all have wisdom in them that can lead us back to uh, our connection with source. So, Tricia, what's the meaning of life? Oh, just kidding. <laughs> Let's start out with something smaller by defining what exactly <laughs> is the soul. 
That's so funny. Well, I think a lot of people have different ideas about it, but generally speaking, as I as I chronicle in the first of four sections in this book, where I go around and honor what all the different world traditions have said, the soul is that eternal part of us that is um, beyond time and space. It is, let us say, a spark in the body of God, or uh, it's been called a drop of water from the great cosmic ocean of love and mercy, or um, a, a single flame. Uh, from the, let's say, great central sun. So we have the spark of the divine within us, but clearly our bodies are mortal and our personalities are, you know, flawed as we can all see. But the soul that resides within us that allows us to have life and continuance between lifetimes that soul is immortal and it comes, of course, from great spirit or the creator. So is a person's soul housed entirely in the physical body while they're alive, or is it more expansive than that? Well, the esoteric teachings actually tell us that the greater part of who we are continues to reside in the higher realms, even when we're taking lifetimes in the physical world or the astral world or the mental world, any of the different dimensional planes. And consequently, who we think we are down here may only be 20% of who we are, 30% or 40%. And this is also why, although I think it's unusual, some souls can actually choose to have multiple existences at the same time. For example, you might have a life on this planet, but you might also be running an experience, let's say, in, on a spaceship up there or you know, even I've even, uh, because I'm a hypnotherapist and a regressionist and have been for over 20 years, I actually have encountered people who are having two physical lives on this planet. And I think that's very u- unusual. I don't think that's the normal thing. So uh, normal- two, physical, two physical lives on this planet at rather same, than at the same time. At the same time. Okay, yes. what happens if they run into each other? <laughs> well, actually, in this case, my, the, my client was a, a lovely woman who had had a really, really, really difficult lifetime. She was from Germany, and she lived in America now. Uh, but her counterpart was actually a, a male aspect of her that was having a wonderful life, happily married with uh, a family, a loving family in Ireland. And so I'm sure each life had its own challenges, but... Bizarrely enough, my client was actually so annoyed when she experienced this under hypnosis. She was mad, like, why is he having all the fun and I'm having all the misery? I'm like, what do you mean he? It's you. you know? Well, well, let, not to be the devil's advocate here, but if she'd had a pretty tough go um, and she may or may not have been mentally stable, how can you tell if what you're getting under hypnosis is actually literal or are we dealing with two personalities in the same body? Well, I think that's a really good question, but in this case, I happen to have known this person for about 10 years, and she had had a rough time, but she uh, she was in the health profession. Uh, she was actually a nurse and, and the doctor in the, in the hospitals, and she was very stable and very sound and, um, you know, totally in her right mind. She wasn't a case of multiple personality. Okay. So that being the case, again, how can we tell if what we're dealing with is actually literal rather than energetic or metaphorical when we're dealing with multiple lives on the same planet or out in space or whatever. 
Well, I think at a certain level, we can argue that it doesn't matter. Basically, as we all know, we have a higher consciousness self, that, uh, and we have a subconscious, and we have a conscious mind. The conscious mind is our beta brain, which is very limited. It has a, a limited amount of access to, let us say, cosmic knowledge. Uh, you know, we're all convinced that we are this body. You know, we are who we are. We define ourselves by our personality or our looks or our money or whatever our ego has taught us in our society. Um, the, the subconscious, however, it, it corresponds to the alpha, theta brainwave states. And we all know that we have much more access to who we are in those states. And we've seen this again and again with not only hypnosis, but people who have a very powerful um, uh, precognitive dreams, let's say, for example, where an aspect of their higher self comes in and, and speaks to them symbolically in a dream. In fact, I'm... Right, and that's... That's that's the really important piece here is so much of of our subconscious, of our dream state is in symbology rather than literal. How can you know which one it is when you're working with this? Well, as I said, I, I think that every person has to figure that out for themselves, number one. I think with dreams, for example, or visions, it's best to kind of write them down and then kind of circle the words that have the most juice and then try to look at what the symbolic associations of your subconscious uh, might uh, be trying to tell you using those metaphors. And sometimes the subconscious is quite literal, you know, giving you a key to a problem or showing you this book that I've been uh, reviewing recently for my publisher or it's another writer, but uh, it's people who've had dreams about having cancer and they've gone to the doctor and 99% of the time, these dreams have all been true and it's diagnosed the cancer. Um, well, we're so- going to have we're gonna have to pick up on this train of thought on the other side of a commercial break. Okay. <laughs> Trisha and I will return shortly, so don't go away. Remember our current episodes are internationally broadcast and air daily through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Past thought-provoking episodes are available free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. This is Science of Magic. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling... 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, And armed with over 40 years' experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. 
The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness... I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Tricia McCannon, author of The Angelic Origins of the Soul, Discovering Your Divine Purpose. Her website, TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. So, Tricia, we were talking about the soul and how it can occupy, uh, apparently, more than one place um, at the same time. What happens to the soul when the physical body dies? Great question. Well, one of the things that I share about uh, in my book, The Angelic Origins of the Soul, uh, the second section of these four sections of the book is called The Landscapes of Heaven. And I, this is a subject I have always been fascinated by, and I think most people have, you know, about what's on the other side. And of course, as a clairvoyant who's read for over 6,000 people around the world, many times I actually have been able to track people who have died over to the other side, see where they're living, see what's happening to them. But in my book, I chronicle the, you know, the 17 stages of the near-death experience or the death experience. If you don't come back, of course, we don't know what happened to you. But if, if you died and went to the other side and then you returned to Earth, you know, there are millions of people around the world now with the current medical science where people are being brought back from, from these brink experiences where they report you know having this swirling energy like a tunnel appear like a stargate they're drawn through this tunnel and at the end of the tunnel is this magnificent being of light there seems to be kind of celestial music and sort of a misty landscape and they uh, find themselves facing this incredibly benevolent loving unconditionally loving presence which many people think well maybe it's jesus or mary or uh buddha or you know the yamadutas the death angels in the hindu tradition but actually the tibetan book of the dead tells us that this is actually our higher self this is actually our angelic twin is what the gnostic christians uh taught that's what they they called it that resides in these higher realms and of course the first thing that wait a minute wait a minute you're telling me that there is no heaven that it's just a piece of us no, no, I'm not saying that at all. No, I'm not saying there's no heaven. In fact, there are many, many levels of heaven. There are many different dimensional levels of heaven. But the, the being that first meets us is this profoundly beautiful, unconditionally loving being. 
And the first thing that this bean says is, you know, let's take a look at your life review. And so uh, time and again, these near-death experiences report how suddenly this holographic movie opens up. It's like they're reliving all these scenes from their lives, many that they had forgotten. And of course, they're seeing where they did well, where they were kind, benevolent, wise, helpful. And they were also seeing where they could have done better or they were selfish perhaps or a bully or brutal or you know self-centered so and is this so, is this associated with like going through the bardo where you have to go through the lower frequencies and the, and the places that you've fragmented out from yourself before you can uh, gain enough frequency to cross over are we looking at purgatory or the bargo when you start going through your life history? No, this it's not purgatory. Um, purgatory would be something different. But <clears throat> this is actually the life review to see sort of like how did we do. In each life, let's imagine that in our great book of life, every lifetime we live is a chapter. So at the end of every chapter, every life, we review and see how did we do? Did we meet the goals that we had set for ourselves? Did we achieve the things that we had wanted to achieve? Uh, did we grow spiritually in our heart and wisdom and kindness and in love? Did we move forward in our mastery, our path of mastery? And then, of course, if you get sent back, you know, the people who get sent back all, you know, it's not your time, okay, glad you got the life review, but go back. You've still got, you know, children to raise or people to help or a job to do. And so that's... Isn't, isn't that a choice? Aren't we given a choice at some point, whether we want to go back or not, or does it vary from person to person? Well, we are given a choice, but, you know, when I died, and I died in 2003, um, I had been in the hospital with a very intense fallopian tube infection, and it was a, supposed to be a two-and-a-half-hour surgery, and it was a four-hour surgery, and I died on the operating table. And I had a very profound experience myself. I don't remember going through the tunnel. I don't re remember meeting that being of light, as probably 80% of all near-death experiencers do. I found myself sort of immediately transported uh, in front of this uh, council of um, uh, my light council. And everyone has a light council, whether we have spirit guides, that are our supporters and protectors. There might be one or two or three, but this light council is at an even higher level. And there may be five or eight or 10 or 12 people on your council, depending on uh, who you are. And they know so are, all are, your are history. These, are these people people that have been people or are they simply spirits that have not been incarnate? What are they exactly? They are beings who have been incarnate um, millennia, many millennia ago. They have achieved spiritual mastery, and now they are in spiritual service to those of us who are brave enough, strong enough, or crazy enough to volunteer to come down into the third dimension and take on the mantle of gaining our own mastery. So they have great compassion and great love, and they're very encouraging. This is, you know, when you hear about, you know, I go to heaven, and, you know, you go before the judge to be judged. This is not like they're judging you in a harsh way. They can see our strengths and our weaknesses. They know what we have to work on and they give us great encouragement and love and honor for the progress that we make. And, so how, uh, how'd you find out about these um, beings? Well, I met them. I met mine there were five on my council and they were humanoid in shape, 
totally luminous, uh, like white, white um, uh, gold light. No, I couldn't see any features like a nose or eyes or mouth or anything, but they were humanoid. They were totally telepathic, and they totally flooded me with unconditional love. And they said, we see who you are and uh, at the purest level of the heart, and we really honor you for all the thousands of people that you've helped through the years, you know, with my readings and my healing work and my teaching and speaking out in the world. And um, I said, I'm really tired. I want to come home, you know, and uh, I don't know how they did it, but they let me see my life as if I had gone ahead and crossed over. And you I know, you know, Tricia, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have had bona fide <laughs> near death experiences that haven't necessarily met that council. Why do you suppose that is? Well, I, I don't think many people do meet that council of light. I mean, they each have their own council, of course. And it's not that they, they don't have one, and I do. We all have a council. I think it's that um, some of the things that I had done in my spiritual service, uh, without getting into the details, I had already gone through about three near-death experiences uh, where they had each been, you know, huge $40,000 uh, medical hiccups. And I, I had done it in terms of processing uh, mass karma for groups of people. That's It's too complicated a subject to go into in this short broadcast. But I had already done a lot of work in my life uh, in terms of spiritual service. And I was really, really at the point of wanting to give up. I was tired. And so, I certainly so didn't unless, want to So do you think that unless you're in spiritual service in an obvious way on the planet, that you're not going to see your counsel? Um, what, what are you saying there? Well, I can only speak for myself. I think everybody is unique. And your counsel knows exactly where you are. For some, it's enough to encounter your beautiful, divine, angelic higher self. And that's all they need. It's perfect. For others, like Daniel Brinkley, he was actually taken into this crystal city of light and had this whole huge group of uh, masters appear to him that gave him prophecies and it totally turned his life around. I think every single person is unique and it's not like I'm any more um, fabulous, wonderful, special and profoundly enlightened than you might be. But what happens for you would be perfect for you or for Rob, our producer. And this was perfect for me because it, 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 it I, there are a lot of realizations I had during that encounter. For example, I realized that what matters is not how big a car you have or how big a house or how much money. Not that we don't think we know that, but I got it at a whole nother level. What they care about is the quality of your heart. Purity is supreme. That is the gold, G-O-L-D, of heaven. The purity of your heart and your service. And, well, and then your let's talk honesty. about people. Let's talk about people that seem to come, like Hitler or whoever, to to raise uh, raise hell, if you will, that to cause a lot of problems. They bring their own lessons. Um, is there a hell for them? What happens to them when they cross? Yes, you know, I talk about this in, in the book, and in, in, um, in this Landscapes of Heaven section, the Tibetan Book of the Dead gives us a very interesting, let us say, um, framework. They believe that there are seven lokas, or seven dimensions. Well, of course, that's the classic thing we hear in almost all the esoteric literature around the world, seven. Now, there may be additional seven sub-levels of every one of those seven, so there can be m hundreds of dimensions, really, in, in 
science, we think that they're nine or we think that they're 10 and so forth. So there's, you know, conversations. Some people say 12 and then there's 12 suboctaves of those. But let's just work with this this particular framework. The Tibetan Book of the Dead believes that there is this central place of oneness and wholeness that we would, you and I would describe as heaven. And then it, it moves up in probably other spheres. But the, the, within the realms of, let us say, reincarnation, that there are certain spheres where the soul can go. Uh, they're the realm of the humans, that's us, the realm of the the gods uh, that, that live much longer lifetimes, the realm of the demigods, uh, the realm of the hungry ghost. In other words, people who are trapped between the worlds and they really need to get out. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to have to pick up on the hungry ghosts and the trapped spirits <laughs> and the demigods on the other side of a break. Patricia and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so you stay right there. Don't miss all the wonderful things we have to offer on our website, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This is The Science of Magic with yours truly, Gwilda Wiecka, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. AVS Media. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. If you enjoy all the wonderful topics on our program, visit my blog, where the adventure continues, at our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I am your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and we're speaking with Tricia McCannon, author of many books, including her latest, The Angelic Origins of the Soul, Discovering Your Divine Purpose. Her website is trishamccannonspeaks.com. Tricia, we were talking about um, all sorts of different demigods and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do we, when we start to cross, okay, how many of these do we run into? And how, how do we know that they're out there? You know, where, where's this information coming from? Well, again, um, I was sharing with you and our listeners some of the information from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And, and of course, there is information that we can look at in the Theosophical Society and the esoteric teachings of the Jewish and the Christian and so forth. You know, the Christian thing sort of dumbed it down to saying that there were three choices, three heavens. This is what St. Paul tells us, you know, three levels to heaven. Well, it's interesting because in... The theosophical expressions, for example, they talk about in the astral plane, which is one of those seven planes, there are seven sublevels, okay? So I, I actually chronicle them and do diagrams of them in this new book, The Angelic Origins of the Soul. So sort of the top three levels are what we think of as, as heaven. So the bottom of those top three levels would be all the religious heavens. In other words, all the different versions of reality that religions have come up with throughout the the centuries do exist at that level so if if the way that you can come to god is through christianity or buddhism or the happy hunting grounds or whatever it is all of those things do exist because the divine supports us wherever we are in our understanding of the light until we get to a place where we can expand that version to an even higher level and then there are what are called the artistic heavens in other words heavens where we can create and we um, access more of a creativity and then well, there are the theosophical or philosophical heavens so those are in the top of the seven tiers within the astral plane. But you we asked this- earlier about hell, and I just wanted to address that if you still want to know the answer to it. Well, I'm th- I think we'd all kind of like to know about hell. 
Well, the, the, you know, the, the Jews call it Sheol, and uh, it's described, some of the other traditions called it a Vitzi, and it's described as a place where these incredible restoration masters are actually working with souls like Hitler that you brought up earlier. You know, in other words, souls that have gone so far into the dark, into selfishness and into, um, you know, misuse of their power, that, you know, they're, it's, it's, very hard for them to remember their light or for them to return to earth would actually be a, a big problem karmically for everybody and so the at this level of course the restoration masters which when you think of the level of unconditional love and patience a being would have to have to be a restoration master they're actually working with these souls to try to help them and many times they have to weave more light into their field because their field has become so damaged and so polluted and so distorted and twisted. And of we course, know, Trisha, all, all these concepts um, sound pretty darn polarized to me. And yet spirit is supposed to be one of unity. So we're talking good, bad, right, wrong, light, dark. Um, where does the unity come in with this concept? Well, I would certainly say that the unity is right there with those restoration masters. Rather than throwing somebody away to eternal hell for ever and ever, which is kind of what we've been taught in our, uh, as you say, polarized um, Judeo-Christian religions, at least the, ex the exoteric, the outer uh, dogma, you know, uh, that's not what's happening here. In other words, all souls are eternal. All souls can take as long as they want to become enlightened. But of course, who suffers as a result of uh, terrible mistakes is is each one of us. Uh, in other words, what we sow is what we reap. And karma is a, the law of cause and effect. So when you do good, good comes back to you. When you do bad, uh, eventually bad will come back to you. It may take a long time for you to see it. But if, you know, we're, if we're all eternal sparks of the divine why do we have to evolve what is evolution exactly well what do you think it is i'm asking you well to me evolution is is going from a place of as i talk about this is in the section three of my book actually it's so interesting i love how you're kind of asking these questions in a certain way that is able allows me to share this we begin with oneness everything is let us say as the masters call it the ocean of love and mercy we all come from that place the plentium and uh one of the concepts in esoteric christianity is called um uh, i think it's called uh kiosis and it has to do with the outpouring of the divine where the one becomes the many and of course we are part of the many there's billions of us just on this planet alone and we're just talking about humans let alone animals and insects and birds and so forth and let alone all the other planets and the other suns and the other kinds of beings that are doubtlessly out there in the universe so the one steps itself down and becomes let us say the two the divine father and mother then becomes the the three the doorway through which it's all created i talk about all this in the book then the four and the five which would be the divine father and daughter and, and son that we hear about in 
some traditions. Uh, and then eventually, you know, we get the angels and, and then we come down eventually to the gods, the demigods, the humans, the animals, the plants, you know, the soil. So in other words, the spark of, of the divine is in everything. And that is that concept of unity you were talking about. But they say it sleeps in the stones. It feels in the plants. It thinks in the animals. And it has a chance to awaken to its own um, divine nature in so humans. So it's a transducer of sorts. Pardon me? It's a transducer of sorts, like an electric transducer. It will change the voltage of something so that it can be expressed through a, um, a, a, a CD player rather than through um, the um, uh, outlet in the wall. Okay? I so think, this, this is a uh, stepping down so that it can yeah. be incarnate. That's a okay. great analogy, a stepping down, and they call it the great chain of being. That's what it's referred to in the in the inner teachings of the masters, that there is a great chain of being. So, you know, eventually the idea, of course, is that the, the you know, if you think about it, the, the plants eat the soil. That's what they thrive on, as well as water and sunlight, of course. The right. animals eat the plants. We eat the plants and the animals. Uh, we can say who eats us. You know, that's a good question. Maybe nobody eats us, but we have certainly, let us say, um, forces that are vying for our attention. The, the force of goodness and the, and the force that takes us away from that awakening. So let's, let's change gears a little bit here. How about all the proportioned disincarnate spirits haunting our reality? Are they real? Are you, are you talking about ghosts? Is that what mm -hmm. you're thinking? Mm -hmm. Well, I think most souls go ahead and go on into the light. In other words, they leave the physical world and they move up into, let us say, the astral world to whatever level their consciousness or their vibration uh, is vibrating. And, and of course, the higher you can go in each human life, the higher you go when you go to the other side. Um, and uh, it's not about punishment. I think that's very important for people to understand. None of this is about punishment. Uh, we punish ourselves, actually. And people say this over okay, and over but again. We've, we've, we've got a lot of reports of ghosts and, and for that matter, spirits <laughs> and angels in this reality. Yes. Where's all that talk coming from and what are we looking at there? Well, ghosts are basically people who have not chosen to move up into the higher realms. Uh, they are for whatever reason, you know, there's treasure buried in the backyard. They're concerned about their grandchildren. Uh, they died suddenly in trauma and they don't even know they're dead for a period of time. They died in fear as a prisoner. They died in a state of mental um, uh, illness because they were uh, old or uh, they were on pharmaceutical drugs and, and they're disoriented for a time. And of course their guides are trying to get their attention and to help them to get free to go to the appropriate place. Some of them don't uh and this is what you you know what happens but over a period of time even hundreds of years while a ghost can remain eventually the astral body will dissolve just like the physical body would but i've cleared a lot of ghosts that have been yeah, i was going to say we've, we've got one big modern mess here and most religions in, in historically had some provision for what we call psychopump work in other words helping the dead to cross what do yes. we have available now i, I understand you do that but it's, it's not that common you know, so do you think the, the, the population of ghosts is a result of not having that provision to help someone find their way? 
you know, I've never thought about it, but I think you've got a great point. I actually, uh, I, I never set out to try to clear ghosts, but what happened is when I encountered them, I mean, I knew it wasn't right for them to be stuck. I wouldn't want to be stuck. They're just people, but they're people that are confused or disoriented or hurt or wounded or whatever. And so, you know, I, I, work very strongly with my guide so I started opening a portal and I would call in the angels of transition uh, you know ones that we all know about Michael and Raphael and Zagkael and, and so forth and I would talk to the ghost because they were usually people that were scared they've been stuck there and I would explain you know hey look you, you have loved ones look up into the tunnel of light there are people who love you that are waiting for you it's now time for you to go you know don't well, you we're, we're, we're going to have to pick up on ghosts and how to get them across and how not to get stuck. I think everybody would be interested in that on the other side of a break. So um, we will return shortly. Um, this is before we, before we pause, let me tell you to check out the amazing upcoming galactic shamanism classes for children and adults on findyourpathhome.com. After all, we are your resourced altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working together to create common ground in our world. You're listening to The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, 
then you'll love my novel from out of the woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Tricia McCannon, author of The Angelic Origins of the Soul, Discovering Your Divine Purpose. Her website is TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. Tricia, we were talking about helping the dead to cross and all this fun stuff and how people get stuck here. I would assume that's kind of a lower frequency where they get stuck at. And the whole point is teaching them how to raise their frequency enough to walk out. And that can be accomplished by a heart connection with somebody on the other side. Is that correct? I think that's really well said, actually. I've never thought of it like that, but I I think love definitely is the answer. And a a lot of what holds us here is fear, Uh, fear of of unfinished business or uh, fear of what happened to us or fear of violence or fear of what's going to happen to our grandchildren if we pass from this world. And so love is absolutely the the bridge that helps us to cross over. so, yes, let me just say, I actually talk about some of these processes in my book, The Angelic Origins of the Soul, if people are interested. But it's really important to know that when, once you open that portal and you send them through, you really want to be sure to close the portal. Uh, when I first started doing this, I did not know enough to close the portal. And uh, every single day I was working in England, you know, in the beginning I had three or four ghosts. The next day I had 100 ghosts. The next day I had 1,000 ghosts. And, uh, you know, it's like, what's the what's happening here and I realized I'd sent this huge beacon of light up and every ghost from you know hundreds of miles around had seen it and come over uh, to find out what it was and so it's very important you know that you actually do it in a particular way and I describe that of course in the book so 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 if our souls are outside and inside of our bodies is it possible that some of the disembodied spirits actually come from the living well, I certainly never thought of that, but I would say this, that soul is very deliberate. This higher self uh, doesn't incarnate randomly. We incarnate for very specific reasons. And when we end a lifetime, this the higher self has remained, of course, up in the higher realms all along. And that higher self could be connected with, let us say, the delta brainwave state of consciousness that we need to connect with on a nightly basis to feel really restored and rested. But um, 
the souls that are still trapped down here in Egyptian teachings, they talked about nine subtle energy bodies. So there are certain bodies that are connected with the physical body that once we don't have the physical body anymore, we don't need them. Like the, the physical etheric sheath that extends about an inch from the body. When we physically die, we don't need that anymore. But so where does the energy from it go? It yeah, just, I mean, energy is not created, nor does it, nor is it no, destroyed. So where does no, it go? Well, there are certain things that dissipate, just like our physical, the molecules of our physical body eventually disintegrate into, you know, the soil. Uh, so the subtle energy body, some of those can disintegrate. And they, in time, like the astral body has a lifespan uh, of several hundred years. So even if a ghost doesn't, uh, you know, get with the program of moving up into the higher realms, eventually, after a few hundred years, that astral body will dissolve. Between every lifetime, you know, we go up and we reconnect with that higher self. And eventually, the astral body that we had in, in that lifetime or the mental body eventually will begin. And each one of them has a successively longer lifespan, eventually begin to dissolve. But when we reincarnate, we, we can pick a new physical body. We pick a new mental body, a new astral body. But the seeds of what we've already created and learned, our interests, our... our um, proclivities still remain with us so that there is continuity between lifetimes even though the the personality will reform each time based on its environment its genetics uh its experiences its choices but still this is why some of us may be attracted to japanese furniture or chinese food or or so, french wall murals so, or paintings you know so if a soul is so expansive like we were talking about and as you go up to the higher levels there's less and less differentiation are there combinations of souls comprising the individual different combinations each reincarnation you got to ask that question a different way i'm not sure i understood it okay so we're talking about how expansive the soul is and how when we cross over we go to our higher and higher higher levels and eventually uh, there's unity so when we come back in to reincarnate, are there different combinations of souls comprising the individual each reincarnation? So you talked about you talked about having one soul occupying two different people on the planet. Can it be the other way around? Can various portions of souls incarnate in one person? No, I think it's pretty much one person to a soul, however, or one soul to a person. However, you know, there is like, let's say channeling, you know, what's channeling or what are walk-ins? I mean, those are different conversations I don't address in this book, but channeling could certainly be, let us say, getting an aspect of yourself from the higher levels or your guides or a master teacher on the phone line and being the phone uh, uh, receiving instrument for or message instrument for that that self. So while that soul might not be residing in that body permanently, it might come in and communicate or temporarily um, inhabit or activate that portion. And we see this with people like Romtho or Lazarus or Lazarus or, you know, where it appears that either they're higher self or another spirit guide another more evolved being is temporarily inhabiting that body that could happen that being the case (laughs) okay um how can we tell if we're letting uh some higher being in or if it's one of those disincarnated uh, you know disembodied spirits that haven't crossed just because they're dead doesn't mean they're smart 
Well, in the first place, I, I'm not really a big champion of mediumship. I'm really not. I, I believe, you, you know, that every soul really needs to work to activate uh, their own consciousness as opposed to having people come in and dwell your body. I'm not for that. And and certainly it all has to do with frequency. Uh, you know, when uh, spiritualism kind of came up in the 1800s, you know, people wanted to go talk to their dead relatives. And there's a way to talk to the dead relatives without letting them be in your body and you have wonderful uh, um, clairvoyants like John Edwards for example who seems to be able to get dead relatives on the telephone line and talk to them without having them come into his body okay so uh, I, I think it's very important to treat our body with sovereignty uh, and and respect uh, but it all has to do with frequency again I, I would encourage people to meditate to work in the light I myself work in the Christ light because I happen to love him and I think his frequency is you know immense and it's a, a lot of what I believe which is unconditional love and kindness and forgiveness and so I always call in very high uh, beautiful masters to work with and I set a, a, a column of light around myself before I start any reading or any healing or any session because I, I and I very clearly do a prayer where I literally say you know in 360 degrees and all dimensional levels this protection is around me and my client and anything that's not of this frequency get the hell out basically because well let's change gears just a little and let's say what is life purpose as you see it well you know i think we're in this evolution as we were talking about earlier as we travel down the great chain of being and then back up again we can think of it as the out breath of god that brings everything into the fullness of all the variety we see around us and then the end breath of god that brings us into that unity that you were talking about earlier and um so that would be the bigger purpose but as i talk about in the book the angelic origins of the soul i talk about that journey and i talk about the life lessons that we are working to learn and uh we can sort of to me although there's many 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 life lessons i even have a test in the book that people can take for themselves for self-evaluation to kind of figure out where you are with what you're learning and what your purpose is but to me it a lot of it comes down to uh, mastering the power of uh, love and and power uh, in balance and the right use of love and power like if you love yourself but you don't love other people then you hadn't gotten it if you love everybody else but you don't love yourself you still haven't figured it out so there's a balance there and the same thing with power you know a lot of people misuse power and abuse power but real but power if, if, is connection if, with source but if we come from source why do we come here and then have to learn it all over again well, I think it's a way that we sort of entertain ourselves through eternity, to be honest. I mean, if you're God, what are you going to do with eternity on your hands? You're going to want to go take adventures, aren't you? You're going to want to fall in love and, and have the most magnificent experiences and the most terrible experiences. You're going to want to experience and embrace it all. 
So I think that at a certain level, you know, it's it's how God entertains itself, and we are, of course, uh, sparks in the body of God, and 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 that divine intelligence is everywhere, uh, observing everything. This is actually what the ancients called the divine parusha, or the witness self, the the part that is present throughout the whole universe, uh, watching it all unfold, and very, allowing very. us. Very interesting perspectives. You know, time has just flown, Tricia, and now we're out of it. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And you ask great questions, very deep, insightful questions, my dear. It's been such a pleasure. A real pleasure. Our guest this hour has been Tricia McCannon, author of many books, including The Angelic Origins of the Soul, Discovering Your Divine Purpose. Her website is TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at thescienceofmagic.net. This has been The Science of Magic with yours truly, Gwilda Wiecka, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you live your soul's purpose. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you, or is someone you know, struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. 
Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.